Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Chai Noon. And we've had so many great guests on that we decided to disappoint you all with just us again. <laughs> but uh, before... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, we've got a lot to talk about apart from what our guests do as well. We've got to catch up with our lives, which are far yeah. more interesting anyway. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's really what you guys are listening to us for, right? <laughs> just listening to us uh, and our daily deeds, I guess. But before that, I just want to do a small call to action saying that we appreciate that you guys have been supporting us. Uh, we've really been seeing our listener growth, especially with all the guests we've been on, having on recently. I just want to make sure that you guys are aware of our social media accounts, Chai Noon Show everywhere, except for uh, chai.noon.show on Instagram. And uh, if you could be so kind, please leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts, whatever country that is available, or email us. That is probably the best way because we can really just take the time out to respond to you there or on our social media at chinoonshow at gmail.com. Again, uh, thank you so much for all the listenership growth. We've been seeing listeners from over 35 countries, which is insane. I think maybe two months ago it was around 21 countries, and uh, it's really been amazing to see. But we just want to interact with you guys more. <laughs> So uh, thanks for that. Thanks for listening to that small speech. But we're back. Hanuk is back. He is we'll back. sort of back. Okay. <laughs> yep, sort of back. Not in the UK, back in Dubai. But you're back from Africa. And uh, yeah. we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about uh, the feeling of home, which I feel like a lot of Asians, immigrants in general can relate to. And uh, how you know where home is in your heart. But first, Africa. So you went to Malawi, you went to South Africa. Have you ever been to Malawi before this? Never been to Malawi. So like a heads up, like the reason I went to Malawi is because my mom's best friend lives there. And when I was going back to South Africa, I booked that and she said, how come I'm not visiting in Malawi? And I said, I can't afford, you know, the cost of flying to Malawi is very expensive. It's like $400 a return from Johannesburg mm-hmm. so I said I can't really afford that plus my internal flight you know don't earn that much so she paid for my trip to go there so heads up I got a free trip in Malawi my entire 12, 11 days there and why is it so expensive Malawi is kind of a cheap country I don't know it's not a cheap country it's it's the fourth poorest country in the world it is hugely undeveloped there is almost nothing there in terms of development. Like, it's a lot of farmland. And yeah, it, but it's also um, landlocked. So it doesn't have a seaport. And so yeah. everything has to come in via Tanzania, South Africa, Zimbabwe, or Mozambique. And so everything is more expensive there. That isn't, however, things are grown there, like stuff you can buy in the market is dirt, dirt cheap. Right, but every other thing that can't be grown is not so easily accessible. Well, yeah, so like one thing, so it was the rainy season when I went down. And so, because it's not a very well-developed country, like the roads got washed away in the rainy season, or get it made possible. And so there were no vegetables or fresh veg brought into the supermarkets, into the shops from outside, because the trucks couldn't get through. Because it's the rainy season, a lot of veg get destroyed or rotten through the rains 
Like even if they're in the fields. Right. So so for like in comparison, like if you look at um corn, which is like a staple, I was about to say you would know what I would mean if I said maize, right? Yeah. So yeah, maize prices are double there compared to in South Africa in the global price because Africa competes globally. So it's double wow. the price of the global price, even though it's one of the staples they grow there. How is the internet there? That is like the most important thing for me usually. <laughs> the what? Internet. The internet. Internet. Um, um, 4G is available in most places. Um, sometimes I wasn't able to contact you or anyone because like when I went on a safari, uh, my network provider I chose there, Airtel, Airtel, the Indian company, didn't reach there. So, you know, I didn't have any internet. But in the cities and through on the main roads, 4G internet throughout, totally fine. At home, when I was staying, because people I was staying with are very wealthy, I had like, you know, faster than most places in the US. Like we had, I think... A hundred up, twenty down. Wow. Sorry. Dang. Or twenty. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Sorry. A hundred down, twenty up. That's it. That's still quite good, especially. That's like standard in the U.S., but it's quite expensive in the U.S. to get those because the communication companies are lame. <laughs> but enough about the the downside and all that. My when I looked at your Instagram pictures uh, and stuff like that, it just looked green like that was the overwhelming thing like the skies are gray because it's rainy season but it was just so much greenery it just looked very peaceful um in general and of course i'm seeing the more idealized version it is the fourth poorest country in the world after all but just talk a little bit about that you went on your safari it just it seemed like a great time yeah so essentially i i came in with a rough plan that i want to spend time with Sara and I also wanted to see Malawi because I've never been to Malawi and my dad had given me some work there because we export to Malawi. So he came, he said, like, he set up a meeting and said, like, go stay with this family. So I said, sure. So I had, like, a bit of, like, you know, vague plan that I needed to do some traveling. But I had no clue what I wanted to do. So I landed in Malawi. Um, oh, great story. I, so in Malawi, you... you I, as a British citizen, you get a citizenship visa, visa on arrival. Mm-hmm. And I have filling in the visa form and it said like, where are you going? And I just thought Lilongwe, the capital. So I just wrote down Lilongwe. I landed in Lilongwe. Where am I going? Lilongwe. All right. Got to the immigration desk and he goes, sir, where are you going in Lilongwe? I said, my aunt's place. I don't know. Like, you know, she's picking <laughs> me up. <laughs> like, Not sketchy at all. Sorry. And that's sketchy at all. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. And he says, have you ever been to where I said no? I'm here to visit my aunt and visit the country. Like, tomorrow I'm going somewhere new. I don't know. And so he's, like, threatening me. Like, you know, we're going to have to send you back on the plane. I thought, you know, this is Africa. He's not going to send me back on the plane. I said, look, there's a driver outside waiting for me. His name is Imani. And Imani will... I said, look... Just call a security guard. You know, you've got my passport anyway. I'm not going to leave that here. Go out with Imani. Go find Imani. Write down the address. Come back. And, you know, give it to you. And that's exactly what happened. 
<laughs> so I'm going to yeah, them. I saw I saw my bag going around like the, I was the only person who hasn't picked up my bag yet, and so it's just look my lonely bag going around this carousel. Yeah, I was <laughs> shitting my pants. How did you? This is is this what regularly happens in Africa? They threaten you a little bit more. I think it's just because I was so casual. Like, I said, like, oh, okay. I'm going to that makes sense. And it's also you know sometimes some people are looking for a bribe or whatever, but I'm not getting i'm not going to bribe anyone for you know paying my visa or oh, getting dude, my I visa bribed, i would have bribed the shit out of him i don't want to deal with any sort of trouble <laughs> huh? oh, so I, I, I was gonna, like, it would be it would have been more hassle for them to send me back i knew that oh okay so got onto my <clears throat> flight like you know got my stuff went through and then you know and yeah, the, the first thing that Malawi hits you with is it's green, because you just see these rolling hills. It's at the bottom of the African Rift Valley, and it's just green everywhere. And Malawi is very is renowned for being a very safe country. Like it, there's not much like there's there is crime in Malawi, but there's very like you're not going to have like people hold you up at a traffic light, and you know take your car away like you aren't going to get carjacked like you would in south africa so malawi is known as like the warm heart of africa because the people there like everyone i met every local person every one who's there chatting just wonderful really really nice and so that's um so i spoke to everyone in english because that's all the languages i know shamefully as well right. the aunt Sarah would speak to me in hindi every now and again or gujarati depending if she was angry with me so that if she wants to ask me something or pass her something she would ask me in hindi or gujarati so that was fine but normally hindi and then yeah so but the language there is chichewa which was good okay like it's it's a bantu language and I, I don't know much of it but you know they share some words with isi zulu which is the language of kzn or the zulu tribe so and it, it, there are some similarities with swahili but not too much so right. like the one word that does go across is mzungu which is um white white person so you know if, if you ever imagine like what do we call those um american tourists yeah they're always american trust me white american tourists wearing the elephant pajamas you know in the middle of the daytime that's a mazungu <laughs> <laughs> no and so you know my trip was so got to malawi like in that evening decided to do a tour of the south southern half of malawi go to the lake because the number one thing on my bucket list was to go for a swim in the lake and um, yeah, I did that twice. And I went swimming with uh, cichlids, which are these in Lake Malawi. And they're these bright, colorful fishes, like purple, blue, electric, orange sort of thing. So yeah, really. That's like the coral reef, basically, before it died yeah. in Australia. Just very vibrant. Yes, yeah, so this is just one species of fish, though, cichlids, which oh, okay. I found there. Ch- chambo is like the main fish that people eat there sorry I, I, mm-hmm. but yeah so when my tour um over oh, there's this place called club, club macacolo which is by monkey bay 
and Club Macapolo. Kieran is such an amazing place to stay. Like it is nicer. Like the rooms are nicer than a, like a lot of hotels I've been to. If not, if not all. Yeah, I remember seeing that and, Instagram story. It was like massive, and then you're right next to like some gorgeous scenery. Yeah, I was, so I, yeah, I, I was right next to the lake, which I couldn't swim in by Club Macacolo because there was crocodiles being spotted there. So, yeah, you know, welcome to Africa. <laughs> I'll go swimming. There's some crocodiles there. Like, please don't swim. It's like, we can't stop you from swimming, but, you know, please don't swim there. <laughs> For your own sake. No, and, and, you know, you look out and then, because you're in the River Valley, you have mountains all around you. So you look to your left, you look to your right, and it's like you're in a tropical Switzerland. So the thing is, there's all these mountains around you. You have these gorgeous beaches. So it's like Caribbean vibe with the palm trees. And yeah, it's just great weather. It was amazing. Utterly amazing. All right, talk about the food. Food, 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 food. Food, 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 food. So because of the rains and everything, all the food is very fresh in Malawi. Especially in the rainy season, or just after the rainy season time, because that's when they're taking in their harvests, and it is wonderfully fresh. Like you can taste the difference in the food, whether it's GM, non-GM. Pretty much everything's organic because the farmers can't afford uh, GM products anyway. Right. So you get fresh, fresh food, and. So Auntie Sarah is like one of the chefs like Hafsa has. So um, Hafsa is Auntie Sarah's daughter-in-law. So, and one of the cooks there, S, like came from an Indian family. And Karen, S can cook like everything. He could make dosa. He could make idli. He could make uttapam. He would make paratas, everything. So in the mornings, I would have egg burji. Like with hot prices coming one 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 one. <sighs> See, this is this is especially hard for both of us to relate this because we're both on diets right now. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> as I'm listening to you, I know that you're suffering, and I am also suffering. So, <laughs> we have the memories. And I can just, well, you have the memories. I can just imagine this, and it's it's actually quite vivid. And I was going to say, like, so Malawi also grows quite a lot of dal, and so like. A lot of the, um, which dal is, is I think it's mesu dal. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's mesu dal, the red dal. You get. Okay. They grow and export to India. The name is going to really bother me now. And so you know, I had fresh dal, like cooked properly, like everything. Oh. So I had darka dal, uh, it was wonderful. And so that was on Sarah. And then I went to. Blantyre, which is like the commercial hub. There's a lot more Indians there. And I went to stay with Thilu and uh, oh my god, have I forgotten Thilu's wife's name? Dilpa, Dilpa Foy. <laughs> so Dilpa. Shout out to you guys for listening. Um, <laughs> salt, I don't <laughs> that you can't remember anything. So no, Dilpa Foy is like, she's so at their place. So Karen, have you ever had milk straight from a cow? I can't say that I have had 
You have, you've never had like non-pasteurized, no. homogenized no. milk. Okay, so growing up I'm in not, Zambia, I was, even growing up, I was never really a big milk drinker. I drank buttermilk for some reason, because uh, I liked some it because it was a bit saltier. It was saltier, and I liked drinking it more. But even then, you know, uh, it's it's all homogenized and stuff like that, pasteurized. You just get in the supermarkets. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Zambia with the same milk I had in Malawi there. And so that's like milk straight from a cow. Like the guy comes in, this this guy comes in with a bucket and you take the bucket from him and then you have to boil it at home. So, but they would make fresh paneer. Oh my God. Like, like, you know, like it's so soft and tender and melts in your mouth paneer sort of thing. Yeah, that's one and thing. Like, make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never used to like paneer, but it really just, I had really much more tender paneer, and it just soaks up flavors. Like, uh, it's like a much better tofu in that regard. Yeah. And you just uh, have it soak up all the flavors. And so I had like proper Gujarati first, and I had jalebi, like homemade jalebi from someone. Like, oh. Us a heaven having jalebi at breakfast time. <laughs> so there's actually a lot of Indian people there, huh? Yeah, there's a big Indian community. So, so like when I say big, it's not that big. It's mainly right. memons. So do you memons? Do you know what they are? I do not. It's okay, so memons are normally Muslim and they're from Gujarat, in sort of area, and or well, the majority are that I've ever met. And then they come down, came down to India around 1910, 1920, 1930 into Malawi. And so the families have been here. Um, the interesting thing about the Malawian Gujaratis, like, they're all, like, surprisingly, the majority are from my caste. I know we're not going to go into talking about caste, but it's just a surprising thing to find right. that, you know, I, everywhere I go around, it's not Patel. Right, because screw the Patels. Like everywhere I go, and they all assume I'm Patel. I'm not Patel. Right? <laughs> um, it's like Kotechas, Majithias, There's um, Kotaks and so on. They're very like poor on the side, Rajkot side of in like Gujarat. So that that was a surprising fact I didn't realize. Yeah, Lakanis as well. Like. Yeah, I realize I'm just like saying these names and <laughs> I don't know anything about Gujarat names in general, so you're just speaking to somebody who's was, I bumped into it that as well. Like, you know, it's all all the ease. Like, the one thing you always, you always have to remember about Gujaratis is like our food sounds like explosions and it's very similar with the surnames. But yeah, and it was one that you know, you know, these guys have never met me. And, and their family and you know i was just led into their house you know fresh masala chai made constantly for me and you know just having fun and going around and then i came back to man i went to dedza which is on the it's on the escarpment as you come up mm-hmm. and it's this place with historical pottery and i had a cheesecake there i had this fresh cheesecake and it's just topped with fresh cream i had that with like some local tea 
like in the middle of like an eight a six hour drive it was like perfect after six hours of driving did he ever scale up during at any point in this vacation <laughs> so when you got back from africa after everything was said and done how much weight did you put on it's like all this amazing know. food i wouldn't be able to help uh, myself this is why i'm on a diet i noticed the change and it needs to disappear <laughs> That's why it's such exactly. a harsh diet, no carbs. It's just like die. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about before this. He's uh, very dedicated. No carbs as a vegetarian. That is some strong will. <laughs> yeah, day eight, all day now, and I've lost count already. But we'll survive. We'll survive. Only yeah, yeah. Only just twenty up for your next trip. Yeah, pretty much thirty-one days. That's the aim. Thirty-one days, and then where. Yeah, so that that was Mala- so that that is a, a summary of Malawi, because I'm still writing my blog post on Malawi, which I've been working since I was in Malawi nearly three weeks ago, and it it is such a stunning place. Like, you know, like talk just think about even air quality there, because I had gone to Mumbai in December, and I was in Dubai, it's very dusty, and Mumbai is very polluted can't like escape that when you go to malawi and the air is so light it's crisp it's very fresh because there's almost because it's such such an undeveloped place there isn't anything to pollute the air right if you get running like if you walk through you know if you, yeah where i grew you up in a really a few weeks. town yeah but i'm i'm going to tell you your small town probably produces more pollution than oh, the capital sure. city Oh, I'm sure. Because, like, uh... so you're like on, you're coming down from, you're going into the valley essentially, and you just look around and you just see like a waterfall because it's the rainy season that's been developed, and all these green mountains and farmland in the distance, and you just like, there is nothing there. There is literally nothing but clean air. And you just like roll down the windows and it's nice and cool, 22, 21. Just having all that fresh oxygen come into your lungs. Right. Totally amazing. And yeah. So just yeah. pick pick a, a highlight. Was it the safari? Was it the food? It could be something you already mentioned as well. Was it the community? Oh, the, the, Don't the say everything. Was spending, no, the best thing was seeing Auntie Sarah and the family. Like okay. Uncle Shreb. Because uh, you know, I haven't really spent a lot of time with Uncle Shreb in my entire life, like because Uncle Shreb is African. Like he went to the UK to study, and then came back to Africa as soon as possible. <laughs> and you know, so I only used to see him every now and again when I was in the UK or at the boys' weddings or when Yasin Ali got married. So it was nice to spend more time with him. And so yeah, you know, th- that was kind of the best thing: spending time with my like secondary family. Right, and then right after Molly, yes. went to. Your actual home. I went to my actual home. Yes, I went to South Africa. Went back to Durban. Went to the seaside and went to Umschlange. And yeah, I I love Umschlange so much. <laughs> um, so Umschlange for our listeners is a seaside village. Or it was a village. Like when I moved to Umschlange, it was a area a lighthouse two hotels a single road like no, no longer than 200 meters and some shops and a tower block and some houses along the ridge 
And that was it. That was almost longer. Like, you know, right. population less than 2,000, less than 3,000 people. And now modern-day Umshanga is the hustle, the bustle, the vibe. It's the party area. There are, few, there, there are places, there are bars. They're open till like, 2 o'clock in the morning every day. There's some party areas. There's several more hotels now. It's just like Yeah, and you even had your bustle. birthday then, so you got to enjoy all that firsthand on your birthday. You're yeah, I mean, yes, you're getting old. Well, sort of, like, you know... Because most of my friends don't live there anymore. Right. Like, I have a few good friends there. And, you know, some close family friends I got to catch up and see. But most of my school friends don't live in Durban anymore or don't live nearby. So I didn't get to see m- most of them. So um, actually, when I was in Joburg doing my transit, uh, I left the airport from my way back down from Malawi. Mm-hmm. And... Went to see my friend Namesh, had some, well, I had a green juice with him, had a detox, had a green juice, and then went back to the airport and flew out down to Durban. But yeah, like Durban was fun. It was so nice to see my maid again, Nosy, like Nozipo. I hadn't seen her in three years and I was chill. I went clubbing in Durban. That was good fun as well. Oh my God. Kieran, have you ever been to a club and you're, like you and your mates are the only people that aren't that like are a different ethnic group to everyone uh, else. Ah, uh, the clubs in the northeast. Not well, not not so much. I don't know. It's I never really felt like I stood out. If that's what you meant, because it's dark or anything. So it's like no, no, no. <laughs> I never really no, I never no, really no. took notice. Of that, I guess I don't think so. Probably, but so, I never really noticed it. No. So we went. Where did we go? So I went with so. One of our downstairs neighbors is actually our old friends from here in Dubai. And mm-hmm. Samiha was celebrating her birthday here. Here, I mean, here in Umslanga. So she, her birthday is like two days before mine. And so after I landed, I said, we're chatting. I said, we're caught up. And then her brother was down. And, you know, on Thursday night, they said, let's go clubbing. I'm like, sure, let's go. You know, I was a bit hesitant at first. And I thought, well, what am I really doing if I'm not going to go clubbing? So we went to two places and in both places right there's a group there's five of us in total we went and we're the only people that weren't black at these clubs like packed to the rafters right and like we stood out clear as daylight as the only five brown people (laughs) which is fine because honestly it was great vibe they all party like animals and i wish i was people who drank because only two of us drank and i thought i'm not going to get table service if only two of us are drinking uh yeah. but put it this way how much is a bottle of jägermeister in the u.s like at a club bottle, bottle? uh i don't know i've never gotten table service ever <laughs> usually just go to the bar i think maybe a couple of shots a shot is like five six bucks i think a bottle is probably like close to 20 15 20 bucks i don't know some of you guys at, from uh, at the correct club. me at the, at the club it's not going to cost you 20 if it yeah, costs it's you probably five. more expensive. It's probably more expensive. I don't know. <laughs> shots are well, shots are like eight dollars probably. I'm guessing. I don't. They're quite expensive. So let's say it's like a hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars, right? Okay. Right before table service, so you get your table for the whole night, sort of thing, and everything there. 
in South Africa, it would cost you twenty dollars, right? For your, including your mixes and everything else included, right? Yeah, and just party hard, and it was so much fun going out dancing. Like I didn't know half the music. It's all local artists and everything. That's fine. And it was just amazing. But you know what was it amazing? What what was it amazing? The freaking wedding I crashed. Partly I actually left. God. What happened then? So so on my way to Malawi I had to stop off stop off in Joburg and I met an American couple in their forties to no, they're probably in their fifties. They have kids older than us. Right. And they were telling me they're on this amazing adventure and they're going to be in Durban and they're going for a wedding. And I said, okay, cool. I exchanged numbers and he thought, look, I'm here. If you need a tour guide, you know, want to meet up? So I met them up again. And, you know, they were going to have the wedding in Zimbali, which is the golf course where my we have a, um, a holiday home, essentially. Yeah, it's quite fun. We have a holiday at home 20 minutes away from our own home. And, <laughs> and you know, it's in the hotel there. And as a resident, I have access to the hotel at any time. Right? Right. So I went to this wedding. I got slightly dressed up, went there. And my God, these Americans cannot party to save their lives. It's a wedding. You know, I know it's a Gujarati wedding. But man, they could not party, and that's just a shame. They were probably old. <laughs> like, it was so... Good parties, huh? No, 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 no. Like oh, they might not be partying. So they were older. But... The, but I was, I was at the event. They're not partying their asses off. They're not like drinking like there's no tomorrow, or like you know, chilling, chatting. Like they're, they're, they're just like, oh my god, it's so hot. It's like 35 with humidity. Like, come on, like you know, grow a pair. I thought all the Indian weddings I've been to in the States, you know, they're kind of, they're very restrained because there's just a lot of old grandpa and grandmas there. And I think uh, Indian Americans tend to feel more awkward in general, but yeah. No. So this, uh, I actually bounced from there and went to a beach club <laughs> by myself and had more fun. Nah, that's, that's what you gotta do, man. That's what you gotta do. You gotta always find the the real party. So yeah, but and then we can't. So yeah, I was met. You know, also the terrible, the worst, the worst thing about leaving is was um apart from yeah my lifestyle in Pumasang was where I would get up around five thirty every day, five six o'clock latest. I'd go for a walk along the beach and or a swim in the sea. Come home, nosy would. I've already chopped me my fruit and veg. I have like granola, yogurt, and a fruit, mm-hmm. like chopped fruit, fresh purple. It's pie. It was pineapple season, so I had these um, oh, clean pineapples. So I had freshly chopped pineapple up. Um, it was the end of papaya season and the end of mango season as well. So I had fresh mango every day. Uh, it was just in heaven, and the wine was so good, Karen. And I had a bunny chow as well. Like, so do you know what a bunny chow is? I don't know. So, bunny chow, very South African dish. Imagine a fresh white loaf. Okay. Like regular loaf. Chop it in half, take the inside out. 
and then put a curry inside. So for vegetarians, it would be a sugar bean curry. If it was like, it's normally mutton or chicken for those who eat meat. So I had like fresh sugar bean curry cooked, and then they put the rest, what all the bread they took on the inside, they put on top as a he- as a lid. And so you eat, you essentially eat the curry with the bread, and then as you lose curry, you tear off the side of the wall, which has just been soaked in this masala, and you have. Oh god, yeah, that's the thing. It's like you never feel like you have enough side of bread, like never enough naan or never enough uh, chapati or parada or anything. But they just solve the issue entirely by just putting it in the loaf. Yeah, and it's just. It was so so nice, and then the avocado. Oh my god, it was av- it had fresh avocados. Right? All right, this is um, this story you're losing. I don't really like avocados that much, so it's, <laughs> this is something yeah. that you can uh, orgasm to on your own time. <laughs> you you're losing fresh avocados. No, no, but like what what avocados do you normally eat? You normally probably normally eat Hass or Adams. Yeah, maybe Fruitierte, right? Which all, let's be honest, crap varieties. I mean, Haas is okay, or Haas, or however you call it. But yeah, uh, the Woolworths there has gems, and like Pick and Pay didn't have it, but they're gem avocados. And um, how do I size a gem avocado? It's about it's about this A five, A five like size like lengthwise and about five to six centimeters high like they're big and they're just like full of flesh and smooth and so i would just like make a slice of toast take an avocado and then like just smash it on top lemon juice cherry tomatoes bit of chili flakes mrs balls chutney done See, Mrs. You get Bulls that in New York City for fourteen bucks, like a true millennial. Yeah, you know if it costs an essay. Dollar terms, probably <laughs> less sense. three, three, three dollars for everything: the bread, the loaf of bread, avocado. Jeez. <laughs> okay, no, yeah. maybe a bit more, maybe a bit yeah. more for the whole loaf. And but the avocado would cost like two avocados would cost you around a dollar. Yeah, I know in India there's an avocado shortage. That's why there's not, at least in Bangalore, there wasn't actually that many Mexican restaurants. I mean, uh, there was a Taco Bell, but they rarely had guacamole. But I think, uh, you know, South Africa and Mexico are lucky to have places where you can get avocados very freely. And uh, I went for a massage at the Oyster Box as well. That was really all right, all right, I don't care about your massage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like this is like it's just so opul. I, I keep on forgetting my village is so opulent. So this is like where Prince Albert got married. It's where the life. Are you working and yeah, there Kieran, you... too? <laughs> You're Sorry? working. You were working though. Yeah, I was working. I, you see, this is the great part of my life. There is a. I'd, I'd get up. I'd have. I'd go for my walk and swim. I'd come home, shower, have my well, have my breakfast, chai, shower, all right, and then you know I'd go for my meetings in the morning. I'd I'd always finish my meetings by two o'clock, and I had the rest of the day or one o'clock if I didn't, you know, I had the rest of the day off, and I'd go to. So I think at one point I had it, my my meetings got cancelled and I was done by 
12 o'clock. So I called my friend Ravaj and I said, Ravaj, do you want to grab lunch? And he says, yeah, sure. Where do you want to go? And I said, I'm going to go to Glenwood. Glenwood is on the other side of town. It's like an hour and a half. No, okay, maybe not an hour and a half. It's about 25 to 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So, got it. And the reason I said, like, let's go, I said, there's meant to be load shedding. So load shedding is, you know, there's not enough electricity being produced in South Africa. That's multiple reasons, corruption, lack of investment, you name it. So I said, look, there's going to be load shedding in our area at one. If we get there, we can just have lunch. And this place does the best breakfast slash brunch there. So we drive all the way there. And as we get there, look, one o'clock load shedding hits Glenwood because I forgot to check the timetable to see if Glenwood was going to get hit. So, you know, I'm driving <laughs> and then suddenly all the lights turn off <laughs> like the, you know, for like the robots, the, um, what do you call them? Traffic lights. Okay. Yeah. So they all turn off and I'm like, shit, <laughs> it's um, load shedding. <laughs> And yeah, but I had a great breakfast there. I had like a caramelized peach nectarine salad, and uh, uh, they had uh, fresh pecans in there as well, like slightly roasted, and avocado and some rocket. Right, that was really nice. And I had so fresh I... cream soda. Amazing. So, one of the things that uh, we were talking before is that you might have the opportunity to go back to South Africa more than you have been. Like before this trip, you'd probably go back once a year, right? Something like that. This was my first, this was my first, this was my first trip back in three years. Right. Okay. So, you know, once every third year, but now you might have the opportunity to go back more often, correct? Um, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Like we're going through the motions at the moment of getting things set up. So you have been like in so many places in such a short amount of time. You've been to Dubai, you've been to uh, Mumbai, you've been to Malawi, you've been to, well, obviously, Malawi is a little bit different. That was more of a, a vacation. You've been to South Africa, you've gone back to London relatively soon. And uh, one of the main themes that we're going to briefly touch on in this episode is just sort of the theme of home. And since you've just been traveling so much recently, especially to places that you've been more acclimatized to, uh, except for Malawi, which is just completely different um where did you feel the sort of strongest connection of home and why do you think i felt you felt it there um it has to be much longer like right. i i grew up there it has to be like like i didn't grow up in that flat i grew up like so there are three streets essentially we grew up like three parallel streets in umshlanga we grew up or me and my sister grew up in and it's home but this way, I'd never driven before in South Africa because it's not we've always only had one car. And if there's, I've never been by myself. So normally my dad's there or my mom's there. And so normally someone else got the car, I just get dropped off, which is fine. I don't mind. But like, considering I've never driven there before, right? Uh, I knew, like, I've never been to this place in Glenwood. I had to go. But within, I didn't, I just had to know the name of the street. I could work my way there. You know, for me, I could go to different parts of the city and I knew where I was going and I felt very comfortable. Or, you know, I'd go for that, my morning walks and I was just in my element. 
and leaving so, was very sad, really yeah. sad to leave. But I was I was wondering because um, like when I go back home, it's sort of the same thing, uh, and it's also because I'm very close to my home right now. But I remember you telling me, oh, you're a little bit disappointed that the dolphins weren't there. You know, you said, oh, in the beginning, not not like uh, in like a, a negative way, but you said, you know, when you grew up, there's not that many people, but now it's become more hustle and bustle. Do you think, and I think this is a lot of things that when our parents go back to India, things have changed. Like my dad told me stories of being able to run in Bangalore, bike in Bangalore, see the stars, uh, stuff like that. Do you think that sort of feeling of home has sort of diminished or, and even because a lot of your friends aren't even in Durban anymore, uh, and a lot of my friends are not in where I grew up. So is it more just like a, a nostalgic thing? Like if you actually were to move back full time, yeah, you could get used to it, but it wouldn't really be the same. Is that, um, do you sort of understand what I'm saying? <laughs> is it like more no, nostalgic well, than anything, I guess? Uh, there's a lot of nostalgia, but you know, when your dad, your dad mentioned the stars, you know, saying that that's actually something that just hit me. <laughs> Right. Um, I, this, the, the amount of lights there now, it's hard to see stars. So when I grew up, I would look out, well, except when there's load shedding at night when all the lights cut out. But exactly. <laughs> but you look out and you just see all these stars. Actually, when that's actually one of the most beautiful things to see. And then when there are lights, like they just disappear, and you just like think, oh shit, I, you know, could be anywhere. And those are the small changes that make you think it's not. It's not the same, but when you take away yeah, the nostalgia, that's, it's, all, it's, it's also a good thing because in more people have running water these days, more people have access to bathrooms and toilets, and all of these things are part of development. Like you know, I'm I'm kind of annoyed that like the ridge above us is now being developed, even though it used to be fields of sugarcane and literally nothing else, and now it's like how these big tower blocks are coming up. But that's also a sign that, you know, people want to live there. People want to move there. It's always been pristine. And yeah, you don't want to be selfish or anything. People have the right to improve their lives. <laughs> it's also like, you know, it's like South Africa has huge um, inequality problems. So the more growth there's there, the, the better people are off. I always claim, right, you know, I want to help people. Then I can't have this nimbyism. And so. Yeah. You're right. It would not be the same if I moved back there because I would have to make some new friends. But on the other hand, put it this way: like if I miss a turning in Durban, like, I'm not going to disappear off like three kilometers away before the next turning. Like it's very quick and easy to get back and around. Or if I want to do something or see someone, I still know enough people around there. So even though most of my friends have gone, I still was able to meet up with at least one new person per day. Yeah, so. and that's gonna be that's gonna happen anywhere in the world. Like no matter where you go, people are gonna move away, no matter what. <laughs> Nothing's ever gonna stay the same, and that's more often than not that could be good. So, um, but I do sort of want to touch on that feeling of safety, um, and uh, I guess it's. Like, uh, so obviously, since I've never been to these places, I have a bit more of a warped sense of like, oh, is it safe and things like that. But it's it's nice to hear like all these places in Malawi and uh, Durban are, are safe and things like that. Uh, and, uh, I would say Durban is that safe in some okay, places. Well, 
I mean, it's a city. My it's village city is safe. My, safe my village is safe, but yeah. not some parts of the city. Not where we went clubbing. Definitely not I mean, where we went clubbing. Yeah, parts of Boston, parts of New York City, all over the U.S. If you're near a city, there's places that are unsafe. So that's just life. It's not going to change just because you're in the U.S. or India or Japan or, I don't know, South Africa, wherever. Places are going to be unsafe. But uh, I will say that uh, before we start closing this house, um, this isn't really a natural transition, but I never really thought about like the feeling of safety. But I did have a dream. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my sort of twisted take on home and it's not really twisted or anything you know my home is uh where i grew up in the northeast like i feel most comfortable there even though it's very quiet very dull like and it's mostly because my family's there and i feel like uh if my family's moves then i'll feel uh a sense of belonging there as well but uh so i don't usually dream that much uh, and most of the dreams I do have, I don't really enjoy it that much. And this dream, I can't say I enjoyed, but it was just so weird. <laughs> so here I was in my house in uh, Connecticut, where I grew up. And, um, you know, it was the middle of summer, like all the bushes. We, we have a, a pretty good sized house. All the bushes were there. The hedges were there. You know, it was just like a normal summer day. And I can't really pinpoint my age. But I remember like walking outside and... Uh, I'd walk outside barefoot sometimes, even in the hot summer sun in the pavement. And so out of the bushes came, for some reason, like mongooses. And this is not, I don't know why. I don't know what the deal is with the mongoose or anything. They could have been ferrets. I did not get like a close enough look. Maybe it's because mongooses are an Indian animal. I have no idea. It's a fucking dream. <laughs> so... Just more and more kept coming in. And uh, I remember feeling a little bit disconcerted. <clears throat> and then at the head of the pack was like this pure white albino one. And then it just jumped and attacked me. And all these fucking mongooses came after me. And so I woke up in my bed. I was literally <laughs> clenching the air, like kicking the air. No <laughs> lie. And you already know I get shit sleep anyways. So I was just like, this is like the first time I've ever had physical movements ever in my sleep where I'm like punching the air or kicking or something like that. It's just, and my heart was beating on my chest. I was like, what? Why, what was the point of this dream? <laughs> is it like, am I not safe here? We're in my current house in, uh, in Rhode Island where I am. Is it, do I need to go back home? Is this a sign? Is because the mongoose is an Indian animal, do I need to go back to India? I think what it came down to is that I just sometimes have really weird dreams more than anything. <laughs> but it, I was not feeling very safe, even though I was at my house in Connecticut where nothing ever happens. Because uh, sometimes random ass mongooses or ferrets can just come out of the bushes and just attack. Have you ever had a dream where like you actually wake up and you're actually punching the air? It was so um... weird. <sighs> Sometimes I, I haven't. I don't normally have nightmares, so I dream every night. But no, let's just really like I wasn't scared. It was just like I was sorry. You, 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 sorry. A white mongoose jumped and attacked you, and yeah, you woke up. Leader, man. <laughs> it was like all these black and brown. It's not a nightmare. It's, a, it's not a nightmare. I slept perfectly fine. <laughs> well, nightmares are supposed to be scary, right? It's like you woke up. It, it clearly scared it you enough to wake up. But 
you know, if you have a dream of where you're falling and, you know, you feel like you're going to hit the ground, is that a nightmare? I guess it is. Yeah, I mean, that's that happens to me every now and again. Just wake up, like, thinking I'm about to fall, and then I'm like, I slam my bed, like, thinking, why the fuck did I just slam my bed? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know why so, I felt the need to... Okay, let's, let's just let, let's just start, like... Okay. Like, if it's an albino mongoose that first attacked you, mm. do you think, like... You're scared of white people all of a sudden now. God, that would be... I like people. I'm more comfortable on white people than anything else. Have you not heard, like, the last 20 episodes of the podcast where I always bitch about, like, growing up in a small town surrounded by white people? I'm perfectly comfortable on white people. I think it was albino because that's, like, the most unusual color. So maybe I, it, my mind just thought, oh, that's the leader. He's going to do something. Or she... Or, yeah, um, yeah. How are you supposed to tell the mongooses anyway? I don't know. I, I've never looked into it. <laughs> I've never even thought it's about it. The high quality analysis like, you can only expect on Shiny and everybody. I mean, don't mongooses normally eat snakes? Are you a snake? Yes. Friend? No, but, you know, there's this classic uh, Indian story where it's like, uh, you know, this kid grows up with the mongoose. Um, and to protect him from the cobras, and they become best friends. And this is like a common uh, Amar Chitra Kata, I don't know, I forget the brand, tale. Um, but I, I remember reading a lot of these comics growing up. And so like uh, this kid was growing up, and his mom gave him a mongoose to grow up with as like a brother. And then, um, you know, they were best friends. And then, uh, like, you know, the kid kept growing up to like he was eight. And then one day, the mom came in, and the mongoose was exiting the kid's room, uh, covered in blood and so the mom got scared and she killed the mongoose because she thought he attacked the kid and then it turned out that mongoose was protecting the kid he killed a snake and i don't know what the point of the moral of the story was but i guess it's like don't judge first appearances but i don't know i associate mongooses with india like you know don't judge the situation until you have all the information yeah it's a very clear obvious my word the so mongooses, right? I, I think we've got... Uh, Connecticut, I, I was say, identity, Connecticut identity fighting with the Indian identity. And, uh, I, I, oh, you know what? I woke up. <laughs> I, figured out, I figured out your dream. You should learn Python. Mongoose <laughs> Python. <laughs> That's like, it's like, hey, you lazy fuck. You've been trying, you've been moaning about how you need to get a new job. Learn Python. <laughs> That's my brain is yeah, that's it. That's the thing, isn't mongoose. it? Go home, learn Python, right? <laughs> Become the Python. <laughs> oh, dude. I think that, that yeah, it's not like anything new with homeowner safety. <laughs> I think what really struck was like why I was back in Connecticut, why I was back where I grew up <laughs> more than anything. But uh, uh, yeah, that nice, very peaceful podcast about all the amazing times in Africa and uh, home. I did feel like I had to throw some something in there. <laughs> it was too, too introspective and touchy-feeling. Man. But I'm just thinking, so so, when, so do you feel at home where you are at the moment? Or is this just, like, it's not your, like, your girl, like, your place of rest, but, like, do you feel at home? Um... I guess so, like, 
right. I was going to say, while you think about it, I can tell you uh, the reason I automatically told you I feel at home at Umsanga is that I know all my problems in life still exist when I'm in Umsanga or in that flat of ours. But I just know while I'm in that flat that I'm, it is, okay, it's not the safest country or place to be, but I feel safe. And I, my, I, I want to say energy is the, like the word I want to say that my energy there is, is calmer. It's just more relaxed and more settled. No matter what shit goes on in life, I know if I'm in Umbusanga, like things are going well. As long as that house is within a, the family and it's right. like available to use, like there is safety, sort of thing. There is like a place of, you know, not a place where I can just hide from the world, but a place where I can recuperate and feel refreshed. Yeah, that's. So I don't know. No, that's interesting because. Um... And I imagine you feel the same thing uh, when you're surrounded by your family. And I was thinking about, like, you know, when I went to Bangor, you know, it was just, I've been there many times. I hadn't been there in a while. It didn't, it never felt like home. It just felt like a place I'd go to, even though my parents have been there and they've tried to, uh, they tried to expose me more to there. But I think, you know, it's difficult to say. I think home is mostly where your family is. And that's why people move around with their family members all the time, because they can sort of conceptualize the Like, put it this way. If my family moved from where we are in Connecticut, I don't know if I had every reason to go back there. Uh, I have some friends in the area, which are my best friends. So, yeah. But if they were to also move, like, there's nothing in there. There's, it's not like a, I have some, maybe it is home. Because, like, even then I can sort of find reasons to go back there. Like if I were to just move to if I were just to go to a random small town, let's say my parents moved to another random small town, it wouldn't be the same because I'd have a, a different familiarity with them. But my parent parents would be there, my family would be there. So I guess it's just sort of a general area. It could be even the house. I don't know. It's difficult to say. I think you're probably right. Like when I go home, uh, I can just sort of relax, be myself around my family. Uh, things like that you know it's funny because uh (laughs) I tell this to my family all the time but like when I'm interacting with other people or in the office or even talking on the phone I try to be much more energetic because I understand that uh, people have their own problems me all when I'm at home I can just sort of relax and sort of speak more frankly and honestly like yeah things aren't going amazing but I can't complain and I know things will get better things like that you know, you can't just say that in casual conversations. Like, yeah, things can't go amazingly, but, you know, whatever. It's... <laughs> so, yeah, I do feel most comfortable where my family is in our house in the Northeast. So I guess that is most closely home, but I wonder if it's more the location or it's the family. And it could just be a combination of both. Yeah, I was going to say, like... I'm currently in Dubai. My parents are here. Well, my my dad's gone to India today, but you know, it's home because my parents are here. But if my parents left Dubai, I don't think I'd ever come back. If I, apart from maybe transit, there, even though I did spend two years growing up here, I was working here. For, I do work here for a significant amount of time. Really, it's it's just a place to me. I I have no like put it this way. If my family wasn't here, Dubai got bombed. I would. 
you know, I, I'd be. I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate when someone bombed by, but I wouldn't. Yeah, if it was like a bomb, but you know, nobody died and no buildings got exploded. It was just like a bad thing. It was something I don't know. Yeah, but like you know, it's sort of it's way, like something. But if something happened into London, no matter when, I would, I would feel very upset because London is my like it's my hometown. It's like it's. It's what I would. I am from London, you know. My grandparents are there. Like I have a, nearly every other summer, if not every summer, growing up, I'd be in London. And when I mean summer, I mean the Northern Hemisphere summer. So right. So, I, it it it. I guess it depends from place to place. In that sense, what home is, because in that sense, like my boarding school is always going to be a home to me because I spent four years essentially full time there you know yeah that's every interesting because the... you you've gone back to your boarding school i've never gone back to my high school i don't really feel the need to because for me it was more about the people seven. than you still there oh. yeah yeah so you want to say that again what you said Oh, I maybe, said maybe it's interesting time. because you've gone back to your boarding school but i've never gone back to my high school i guess or my undergrad, or anything, because it was more about the people than the location for me. And I know it was more about the people for you as well, but... <laughs> That's probably true, but in the same sense that, you know, when, I'm going to say when, when I get married, you know, I'm single, but, you know, when I get married, I will take my wife, you know, to my school, because... It had such a significant impact on me, that school. And the grounds are beautiful. And it's, I mean, okay, well, I mean, it's also a bloody former, like, palace. So it's quite cool to go to anyway. But it, it it's, I, I have so many good memories there of that school. And it was such, it was such a sad day when I left. I remember, you know, having a cry with my friends. Like, we were so upset. Because we didn't know the next time we were going to see each other because a lot of us were going overseas or going somewhere else. And in all honesty, it's been since I left school, there's a point like where me and my closest friends from school haven't been together all at the same time since the last day. So it still holds a very special place. Right. If I have kids, I'd probably take them there. I don't know if I'd send them there. That would be a different discussion. But, you know, I'd probably want to show them around my old school. But would I take them to... I would probably also take them to my school in South Africa. Though. I mean, I, had a, I have a very cool school in South Africa as well. But would I take them to my school in Dubai? Never. Never in a million years. Right. And yeah, I mean, uh, even when talking to Akib about this... Uh, when we're talking about depression statistics and things like that, uh, how people get more strong affected, especially you know women who are transitioning from the from South Asia to the U.S., the sense of community is definitely not as strong, and so it's just uh, it can really affect people in different ways in general. So having that connection to home and uh, maintaining that is can be important, and uh, you know. It, I have friends there. I have my family there. But outside of that, I don't really consider anything too vitally important. So it's just a different way. People look at it in different ways, I guess. But anyways, I think uh, 
we're going to wrap it up here unless you got anything else you want to say. Um, try camel milk today for the first time. It's not too bad. <laughs> God, is there like water? <laughs> no, it, it, it's got less lactose but by taste. I can't believe I'm saying this sort of shit. It's got slightly less lactose in it. It's a bit saltier, I want to say, like more savory. It's weird. It's quite not. It's, it's drinkable. It's not something I'm going to go out to get again. But it's very nice. It's like it's something different. Otherwise, the other thing I want to say: go to Africa, go to Malawi. Totally worth it. It's expensive as hell, so worth the money. And everyone should go to South Africa, even if they're not going to go to Durban, even though it's the, the best city to live in. Like it's one, it's a great seaside. It's better than swimming in Cape Town. And yeah, go go travel. All right, sounds good. So um, Ooh. we're gonna wrap it up here. Ooh, what's up? I was gonna say, should, should we ask our listeners to maybe send in a message about where they went or their thoughts on home is? Because it's very subjective, like what they think yeah. home is or maybe. No, that's a good idea. Feel free to leave messages on our Facebook page or on Instagram. We'll make a post for this podcast uh, when it's posted. Uh, facebook.com slash show. Yeah, email us chinoonshow at gmail.com We'll respond to you wherever you post um, and we're trying to maintain a more a better Instagram and Facebook presence but uh, we, we also have things going on but like I said in our call to action or not call to action a little thing at the beginning that, uh, please do us, leave us feedback and uh, we do appreciate that uh, support has been growing um, and all those sorts of things but yeah, um, we'll also be having more guests on relatively soon. It'll be fun. We've really enjoyed having them on, talking to them. And uh, we'll be back to more three man interviews or three men, three people interviews, I guess, <laughs> relatively Perfect. soon. Yeah, exactly. So I look forward to that. But as usual, thank you all for listening and uh, have a good day. We are, man. See you next time.